0: What is up everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Pete. And on the Stack, we talk about a ton of books that have come out this week. Offer up our thoughts and reviews and prayers. Uh, So let's get into it with the first one. Also, just in case
2: you're wondering, Alex isn't feeling well, and I'm stress-cracked out, so this should be fun!
0: (laughs) 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 Authors and artists, are you glad you put your time into the books? Because we're wilded over (laughs) here. (laughs) Life has
2: beaten us to a bomb! (laughs)
0: <laughs> we're going to give you a fair everything. shot. Question mark? Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, number one from DC Comics, written by Kenny Porter, art by Janoy Lindsay. In this book, we're following Connor Kent, the cool Superboy, wears a leather jacket and sits on his chairs backwards and doesn't listen to his teachers and doesn't care about school. Anyway, he is a little bummed out because he's like the fifty-six super person who is currently operating in Metropolis. He decides to go off on an adventure of his own. Runs straight into the Dominators and some Jean slumps gene spliced monstrosities pete what yeah. do you think about this one well first off man of
2: tomorrow gives you a little hope that maybe there will be a tomorrow you know what i mean so that's already oh, a good this start is already off to a bad yeah. start Ooh. I'm gonna uh, no, i gotta review
0: our reviews as we go <laughs>
2: yeah ah, uh, cool this is gonna go great uh yeah i think this is, i love the the art style here this is a great first ish Uh, I love the kind of big bads we're going up against. This is kind of setting things up. I love, uh, Superboy's attitude and cool last
0: panel. This is exciting read. So I, this is very much on me. I spent the majority of this book being like, okay, what's the concept? Where are we going with this? Because I started off thinking, man, there's a lot of super people in Metropolis why do we need to follow another super person here? And then they immediately dress that. And I was like, okay, great. So this is going to be about him traveling around the country or something like that because he leaves and he kind of thinks about like, maybe I could go to other towns. So and I was like, cool. And then they don't do that. Instead, he goes to the Fortress of Solitude and he gets this bracelet that's an experimental bracelet. And Kellex, the robot, is like, Uh uh-oh, maybe you're going to be lost in the universe somewhere. And I was like, okay, so we're going to get like a quantum leap type thing where he's lost in the universe. That'll be fun. And then that doesn't happen either. Instead, he goes to this planet where he ends up fighting these gene-spliced things that are created by the Dominators. We get a sense that maybe there's some heroic gene-spliced things. And that ties into what Connor Kent is. He's half Superman, half Lex Luthor, which is his basic thing. And when we finally got to that, I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I guess that's the actual concepts of the book. And I feel pretty good about that. I think working off the identity of Connor Kent and coming up with villains that come into direct conflict in that, great. I'm very happy with it. It just teased me with these other concepts over the course of the issue, where I almost wish they had gotten to this faster and skipped by those other concepts because those. Yeah, got but me maybe excited. it's coming back around to those
2: things. You maybe. Know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I will say, if it does come around to that, particularly if it's the, like, he keeps getting sucked and lost through the universe thing, very fun. I'm very into that. But as is, I am into this as well. I think Kenny Porter does a good job capturing Connor Kent's character. Also, Joyce Lindsay's art is some really good, very solid superhero art. So, fun start to this book. Hey, can I say something I've
2: always wanted to kind of talk to you about? Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Hey, do you ever think maybe you should just read the comic instead of trying to write it as you read, where you're like, oh, great, now I think this
0: is where this is going to go. Oh, they should go here and they should do this. So, this is something that I thought was actually very interesting that I heard the other day, because when I read things it isn't about trying to write it, it's about trying to figure it out. Like, you know, you're reading... Yeah, you're trying... Hold on, this is... I want to just mention something here. Uh, So... Like when you're reading – when I'm reading a mystery, I'm like, okay, working out all the clues and trying to figure out who did it as I'm reading and then like there's a swerve and whatever. I didn't realize not everybody interacts with entertainment that way until literally probably like three weeks ago when wow. I saw some people discussing on Twitter that they're like, please just let me inter- just sit back and enjoy my entertainment. And it wasn't even – initially I thought it was a discussion about – you know, the whole let people enjoy things thing. That is its mm. whole other separate issue, but that's not what it is. That's what I think maybe you're saying. That's how you engage with entertainment is you just sit back and let it wash over you. That is not how I engage with it. And it's I've not been even saying on a critical this to you level. for years, literally well, is, years. I know, but it took It, it breaks to my heart that. <laughs> that three weeks ago, you finally heard me. <laughs> And no, it I wasn't didn't hear even you. me. It was some somebody else. It was yeah. But it, it, what it made me realize is because I thought we were engaging differently critically and I thought we were talking about the whole like shh, let people enjoy things, things, which drives me up the wall. But it's actually that people's brains are wired different ways to engage yes. with entertainment in different ways. So yeah. I don't know. Interesting. You, some people so can the answer, watch something so the answer though, something and not try is, to
2: figure it out before it happens. No, but here's
0: the thing. This is the reason that I bring it up is people's brains are wired different ways, that is how my brain is wired. The same right. way your brain is wired one way, my brain is the other. So as much as you could come around to my way of doing, I and you can't, I also can't come away by doing it. That's just how our brains work. Okay. There you go. And now that's the concept. Of I'm the just show. trying to tell you that there's... That's the concept of the podcast, baby! A more <laughs> enjoyable way of instead of you work it's not so this hard, is how my you brain could it's not work. just kind of this is how my brain enjoys present. interacting with things okay it just is that is how all I enjoy it, it you enjoy it a different way all right Cornell Okay, Ithaca. (laughs) Avengers Assemble Omega from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Aaron Cooter, Dexter Vines, Ivan Fiorello, Javier Garan, Jim Tao, and Alex Sinclair. This is the end of not just Jason Aaron's run on Avengers. Culmination. But basically everything that he's been doing at Marvel almost in, in, in its entirety yep. since he started working there, it includes stuff from Thor, it includes stuff from Ghost Rider, et cetera, et cetera. So given all that, we got all of the Avengers all together working to stop a flood from wiping the multiverse clean caused by Mephisto as well as slightly by the mm-hmm. Supreme Mephisto. version of Doctor Doom. What would you think about this book, Pete? Uh, this was such
2: a – like – uh Just kind of a a cornucopia of... Uh, awesomeness being kind of thrown at you. Like, there's just, this is a huge ish. A lot happens. A lot gets wrapped up. There's a lot of cool Easter eggs. If you've been following Jason Aaron's run and all the stuff he's been doing, this is, there's a lot of amazing payoffs here. I love the old man Phoenix stuff. The doom killing Mephesto made me happy for a couple of seconds, but that didn't really stick. Uh, you know, the whole, uh, Ghost Rider planet was really amazing. Uh, Planet of Vengeance it's just uh, it's weird and crazy but then like ends in such a small kind of sweet cool way where it kind of ends with just a you know it's just a guy working on his car you know what I mean just like you know just old Ghost just kind of working on his car, gathering parts in hell. I, you know, I kind of really liked how it went from so big and so huge and all these awesome geek moments to like a really small moment at the end. I, I thought it was really powerful and very unique and cool and
0: just amazing art and tons of action. It's a phenomenal run, and this lineup of artists is a murderer's row. I don't yeah. know how I felt about them fighting a giant wave the entire time, but at the same time the whole idea of them fighting against the lack of existence ties into what he's been trying to say about Avengers this entire time, that they are what make the world worth living in, you know, the multiverse worth living in. But what I loved about this even more is that he actually tied up all of his stories while putting all of these, we've talked a lot about how Jason Aaron treats us like a toy box, right? Like he basically was like, Well, uh, this is the games that I've been playing with all the toys. Going to put them back in the box here. (laughs) By the way, all of these toys are still available to you. And that's what I loved about it, because I feel like too often these crossovers are about setting up. Everything's going to
2: change after my. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly.
0: And instead, he was like, I'm wrapping it up. But here's some interesting concepts. They're still here. If they get picked up, that's great. If they don't, they don't. Have a nice day, everybody. And so it's great. It's it's a wonderful run. I think it's going to be looked at as one of the great runs on Avengers. There's some weird, wild ideas here. And it wrapped yeah. up in the lovely Weird, fashion. wild stuff. Weird, uh, wild stuff. Some wild stuff. Uh, let me ask you another
2: question. This is oh, fun. I, after every review, maybe I ask you a question. Oh, uh, I you're, love that. Do you get that Murder's Row reference that you made there? Do you understand what that's from? And, uh
0: Uh, you're probably talking about the rap thing, but Murderers Row, no, from like actual Murderers Row. Uh, the reference
2: to murderers row, what that is referring to. What? Are you, just tell me what you, tell me what you. It's uh, the New York Yankees way back in the day when it had like DiMaggio, you know, like all these, and they were mantle, all serial yeah. killers.
0: I remember. Nope,
2: nope, no. It was like, they called it a murderers row because it was the pitcher. You know, if you're pitching, there'd be a great player. And then maybe an
0: okay player. And then, you know, so you got to yeah. rest. And like, after they would win a game, they'd go out on the town and they'd kill women. Right? Nope, no, Jesus! No, I wow. think that's that, what happened. No. Everyone's like, get inside the Yankees. Just what? Oh my God, dude, this is really <laughs> you gotta, you uh, gotta hide. I'm just wondering, your you life.
2: know, <laughs> when you say "murderer's row," what do you mean? Because I know what the reference is, and I know it's a sports reference. So I'm just wondering when you use it, what you mean?
0: Right, but I think they were calling them a murderer's row because it's like. It, it didn't start there. It's they all weren't.
2: big hitters. It's all huge. No, I understand, yeah. but it comes okay. from
0: literally having a bunch of murderers in jail all altogether. That's where the expression originally comes from. I don't know. That should be interesting. I'm going to do a little
2: research. I'm going to do a little research.
0: Yeah. All right. You look that up while I talk about the next book. Terror War, number one, from Image Comics, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Dave Acosta. This book is a wild future-set book from this team that I just mentioned, where these enormous psychic terrors are attacking a future society. There are people who can shoot brain bullets, who are the only people that can take them down. They are fighting this terror war of the title. Uh, and it's kind of like Ghostbusters on crack is I think the best way of describing it. Absolutely wild. Not what I expected at all from the title. I thought we were going to be dealing with more like modern terror war. That's not what it is. It's more about the fears that are attacking us and how we attack them back. I thought this book was great. I loved it. I love the art. There's some big, gross ectoplasm stuff that happens throughout the book. The action is great. And there's a tease of some fun stuff coming down the road. Pete?
2: Okay, so you were, uh, you were right. It comes from a row of cells in a New York yeah. prison, pro- pro- uh, popular term with right. tombs. Yeah, it's where the Yankees ended up
0: when they finally caught them. They yeah, weren't the able to catch them for a while. Most
2: dastardly of criminals. Uh, interesting. The Yankees, interesting. The yeah. 1918 New York oh. Yankees. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, take it easy, there, guy. Uh, oh my God. Okay, so uh, sorry about that. Ah, so no, that's uh, yeah, fine. of course, of course, we're talking
0: about. Listen, uh, we're both offering up information. We're talking terror about terror war, war number yeah. one. Here we <laughs> oh go. My God. Ah, yeah, so the big, how would I ask you before we got onto this podcast where I was like, hey, Pete, I'm feeling a little under the weather. Let's not yeah. take 15 minutes to talk to the first three books. Well, here we are. You said the first one, so I thought we were in the clear, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, all right, so
2: Terror War, I love the Blue City. It's cool. I love the, the look of this comic. Um, Yeah, I just think the, uh, uh, this is really fun. And then kind of like the worst fears come to life is an interesting premise. It's very creative. Uh, yeah, I love this team. Uh, I hate the credit hounds. That was creepy as fuck and made me really worried that like in the future, if you've, uh, you know, you don't pay a bill or something that there are these animals that will fucking hunt you and then eat you. Uh, so that made me worried about the future, but, uh, I do think that this is really
0: cool and worth checking out for sure. Yeah, this is, and I don't say this dismissively, this is not particularly subtle satire about what the future potentially could become with the addition of this very supernatural, weird terror attack thing that is happening. But I assume as we get into it, we're going to get a lot more of that. So smart book, excited to read more. Yeah. All Also the, yeah. The idea of brain bullets was just really awesome. I love That's that. Very cool. I would love yeah. to have that. All yeah. eight eyes. Number one from Dark Horse, written by Steve Fox, art by Piotr Kowalski. This uh, imagine, if you will, that there were imagine giant spiders world. literally everywhere. And nobody talked about him. It. it was very secret. And sometimes they would kill people in this book. There is a homeless man who has been trying to kill these spiders his whole life. A younger guy gets together with him because he sees one of these giant spiders and starts to be trained in his ways. I have some questions I'll get to in a second. But overall, I thought that I hate spiders. I cannot deal with them. Oh, yeah. So no, I had this a is job a dealing with this book. nightmare of a <laughs> thing. Nightmare of a
2: book. Oh, my God. Like this, it's, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, oh, imagine a world. This freaked me the fuck out where I was like. I, I really hope this isn't, like, there isn't a root of truth in any of this, because this is, like, such a, like, I've I've gone down horrible Google uh, uh, hold rabbit holes of just, like, like coconut spiders, where they, they're these jack spiders that are so strong, they can rip open coconuts. Um, yeah, so, like... This is a real nightmare of mine come to come to life in this comic. Um, So this was hard to read, but also really cool and creative. I liked the this kind of like playing on a a real fear and just being like, imagine if uh, spiders were like a real problem that nobody talked about. Kind of like rats in New York City that people kind of joke about, but no one really
0: does anything about them. Well, it's it's essentially a vampire tale, but with giant spiders instead, yeah. so it works on that level. The question that I was going to ask that I feel like we will get as we roll through the book is why is nobody talking about this? Like, I feel like the excuse for the, because like, a big nobody, spider, you know what yeah. I mean? Like nobody. there's a big
2: spider who's running this stuff. Who's like, he there's gotta it be something
0: up. like that because the idea that there are giant spiders running everywhere, not just in New York city, but all over the world. And people are like, Ooh, we can't talk about that. We got to cover that up. Seems, very iffy to me so it, i think there's an explanation coming but i also do like
2: this thing where it's kind of like this vampires or ghosts or like or like kind of like men in black where it was like once you know the truth your kind of real life is ruined like you can't really go back like our kind of main character the younger guy is can't go back to his old life because now he knows that there's giant spiders everywhere
0: Yes, I, I read the book. I'm aware of the plot. The uh, I I I just need quizzy? some answers I'm in terms of the how people. the world works. That's all I'm saying. But the action <laughs> is very cool throughout it's it plays out like a big budget action movie and it it's does. very fun. Yeah. It's cool. Let's turn to what I know is one of your favorite books of the week, DC Silent Tales, number one from DC Uh. Comics by Gustavo Duarte. This is, as the title implies, several short tales set in the DC universe that are mostly wordless other than newspapers people are reading or otherwise. Pete, take it away.
2: Yeah, I mean, first off, some really fun covers here. This is just really cool stuff where the art is leading the way. Words suck. Use art to tell stories. I I just love it. It's It's just, it's really impressive. I think you can tell a story without using words, and they really kind of lean into that in this issue, and it's a ton of fun and super creative and
0: letting the art be the words. It is very delightful. I really enjoyed all the stories. A couple of things that I'll throw out there. First of all, that is this very cartoony animated art, but there's some pretty dark things that happen throughout yeah. this book. So don't immediately hand it to a child in your life without giving it a little look see first. Do or do and really fuck them up. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll mention, and I know Pete, you're gonna take exception to be even saying this, but I think sometimes when there's then a book say. with no words, don't say it. I get a little worried about like, oh is this going to be too quick of a read or you're just going to kind of flip through this and nothing's going to happen, but this is great. Like this is just all comedy bits. It plays like Looney Tunes cartoons or something. And it's a really big, nice package as well. So you're really getting your money's worth out of this at the same time. Yes, you are. Thank you. Mostly, I think I've implied this on the show. I don't really care about the art. Like, I just read the words and just like go through the thing. It's one of those Fuck brain of things. One of those just brain enjoy things the nice
2: about. thing. Don't talk no. about how it could be a negative.
0: I think it's okay at our comic book review podcast uh, to talk about people getting their buddy worth by buying the comics. Comics are expensive, buddy. I hear you, man. I'm just saying, just say it's great. Would you rather have a sandwich or a comic? Because a sandwich can feed you, but a comic can feed your brain. Wow. I don't know exactly what I was saying here. Why don't we yeah. move on? Punisher number 11 from Marvel, <laughs> written by Jason Aaron once again, art by Jesus Saiz and Paul Azucena. First things first, I didn't realize this. Maybe this news was already out there, but turns out this is a limited series, and the next issue is the last issue. So, I know, I know, but we're so we we're really getting to it here. Uh, this is bringing to a head as the Punisher is fighting – the assembled Marvel heroes who want to get the beast out of him. Meanwhile, Maria, his resurrected oh, wife, Jesus is revealing Christ. some big things oh. about what down on the day oh. the day of the park. Oh. He, are you going to be alright? No. no. Are you going to be doing the John Bernthal Punisher? No, 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 no. no. Yeah, this was uh,
2: one batch, two batch. No, this was really <laughs> intense. This was intense for a lot of reasons. Um, what's intense about it is Jason Aaron's attempting to kind of like rewrite, uh, punch Punisher's origin story a little bit here, giving a little bit more context, not rewrite it, but kind of tweaking some things. Yeah. But let's He's more get- solving
0: a mystery than rewriting history is what you'd say, right? Oh, wow. Wow. I liked how that rhymed there. Fucking professor logic. All right. Punisher well, tales. Let's. A-
2: let's- Oh, my God. Let's back up the truck here. Let's first talk about the the great stuff that's in this issue, okay? You've got the Punisher just fucking, like, throwing heroes around like they're nothing. You know what I mean? Like, Wolverine's coming at him. He's like, who are you? Okay. Oh, you want to play with me? N- bye-bye. So I was really enjoying the Punisher kind of powered up. Because a lot of the times when Punisher's going against, uh, you know, the big superheroes, you you know, because he's the bad guy. Uh, it, you know, it's more realistic. This is just a little bit more fun. You don't get to see Punisher all powered up, uh, kind of being able to uh, have his way. So this was kind of nice in that uh, respect. But then we kind of, uh, we get some big reveals, some big turns, um, and it was a lot. It was it was really uh, very powerful. And what's very interesting is, uh, you know, this idea of, like, him being, it reveals so much, like, having this relationship and thinking that, you know, like, okay, I'm struggling with some things, I'm dealing with a lot of, uh, post-traumatic stress and and trying to be there for my family, but also he's gone a lot and seeing her side of things of just kind of being alone in the tent with a gun and like being hit on at a gun range, like all these kind of things that Maria's going through was kind of awesome and powerful to think about. And um just you know like couldn't even get out the full word until the stuff happens at the picnic that we know happened just just so powerful, really just fantastic just kind of discovery and to kind of explore that it was just really uh very interesting and very hurtful very just um uh, kind of can really crack you open emotionally so uh really kind of. Helped kind of explain a little bit of maybe why the Punisher did the things that he did. But then to have her find out about the things that they did for the family in their name and then shoot him for it was just holy shit. You know what I mean? That was just like a big kind of crazy Reveal that uh, I wasn't ready for emotionally, but it kind of does make sense. Uh, But man, just this has been such an amazing roller coaster of a bunch of issues of Punisher that Jason Aaron has just absolutely killed. As a Punisher fan, it's been really. Uh, oh, eye-opening and, and amazing to kind of uh, witness and relive. I mean, sometimes when you're redoing origin stories, you can kind of be like, all right, here we go again. But this was done in such a unique, cool way. And the art is also just
0: top-notch. We've said this a couple of times about this book, but this is almost more of a Maria Castle book than it is a Frank Castle book, and we're getting that in a big way in this issue. Like you mentioned, huge gut punches across the board. I think whether you're a Punisher fan or not, emotionally, this will still work for you. Yeah, And great stuff. I've said before every issue, pretty much, the dual artist, is Saiz, in the present day, Paul, as I said in the past, it works so well together. I'm, yeah. as much as I'm enjoying this book, I'm glad they're going to be tying it up with the last issue because it's clearly going to be going out on a high note. Summoner's War Awakening, number one, from Image Comics written right. by Justin Jordan.
2: I mean, you what? could just enjoy how it ends. You had to be like, it's got to go on a high note. Otherwise,
0: you know. Man, you're just taking issue let with it be huh? what it's going to be, man. You know what I mean? Jesus. Ah, Sorry, man. Uh, I also wanted to say real quick that I probably should have said Frank Tales instead of Punisher Tales. That would have worked better with the DuckTales. Uh, Summoner's War Awakening, number one from Image Comics, written by Justin Jordan, art by Luca Claretti. This is continuing the Summoner's War story. And I got to say, having only read the first issue, I think, of Summoner's War and not being familiar with the game, I didn't know what was going on here, but I liked looking at it. Pete, what about you? Oh, interesting Uh, of
2: course me, I'm OG Summers War Blair kind of day one. So I definitely, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I really thought this was a cool story, kind of a great kind of a venture tale kind of cast and love the art style. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I loved also the big kind of like a bad guy breaking through walls, like the Kool-Aid man. I thought that was really fun. Um, Yeah, I feel like this was a great first issue, kind of setting things up. You know, uh, I think, you know, we've seen the kind of elf quest type of thing where it's like, are we going to get a team together? We're going to go on this kind of adventure. So uh, I didn't really need a lot to kind of understand what was going on, but I
0: had a good time with it. I'm excited to see Wahapi's. The Cult of That Wilkins Boy, number one, from Archie Comics, written by Colin Bunn, art by Dan Schoening. This is another horror reimagining of a classic Archie Comics character. In this case, That Wilkins Boy, who is now, has sold his soul to the Crossroads Devil to become a huge music superstar. His seven years are up, and the devil is coming for his soul. There's some gross twists and turns here. I got to say, very similar to a lot of these one-shots that Archie is putting out. I like them so much, I wish they weren't just one-shots. Like, mm, this story in particular compliment. here felt a little compressed. It was going so quick to me, and I liked what was going on here, and I wanted to see more. And I understand that's part of the point, but I almost wish this had been a four-issue miniseries instead of a one-shot comic. Okay, well, let me just give you your
2: review if it was a four-issue miniseries. You know, I feel like they would have done a better job if it was just one issue, because I feel like they really stretched the story out too much, and I feel like if it was one, it would have been better. Um, So I think this is, uh, first off, a
0: really cool, unique twist on a tale we've heard. Wait, sorry, should I do your review of it? Yeah, yeah okay great uh well this creeped me the fuck out the art is but that is good it's so good it's like taking a fresh banana and squeezing it in your mouth and going yum yum bananas and uh it's really good but like it's interesting and it's cool and like it's good and like it really creeped me the fuck out but like the art was good and it's worth it for the art alone wow
2: well done sir Thanks. You want me at the end. You, you, the bananas part in your mouth it made me a little worried about wh- how you were going to land it, but I think you really killed it. Like, you know? <laughs> okay. yeah. Thanks, I especially like the part where you kind of got lost in what you were saying, but then it kind of went back to what you were saying. Yeah, so that, that was, was purposeful. That, that, was, that really made me think yes. it was me talking. Yeah, then you should listen then, to like, your Punisher review that you just did sometime. Oh, later. God, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't listen to myself. I've I'm awful. Uh but yeah, I I I agree. I think this is um the art is awesome and it
0: is super fucking creepy. <laughs> gotcha. Gosh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Anyway, this is good. I'm happy for them to keep doing these one shots. It's fine because I like the stuff that they're exploring. And if it makes business sense to them, it makes business sense. I mean,
2: Archie's doing a great job of really kind of getting outside of what we think of
0: Archie comics and making some really cool creative choices. She-Hulk number twelve from Marvel, written by Rainbow Rowell, yeah. art by Andres Genolet and Joe Canones. This is an anniversary issue, so the first part we're getting a story of Jen as she is dealing with this new, very sexy criminal who maybe she's sparking up a little bit of the thing with while Jack of Hearts, the guy yeah, that she's where shipping. That's I'm, who I'm shipping, shipping it too, but uh, he's well, starting to pull like back you're into a little the new. bit. You think you're a- It is a romantic complication. It is. It is basically like you've got the the. She's not exactly the Mary Jane, but like if she's Spider Man, no, don't you? Jack of Hearts is the Mary Jane. This new dude is one hundred percent the Black Cat, and it's like she can't quite touch Jack. It's this—it's perfect. Like it is a perfect romantic situation where she loves Jack of Hearts. I don't know if they said "I love you" yet, but like she clearly wants to be with Jack of Hearts, but can't touch him and can't be with him the way that she wants to be with him. He also needs to figure his shit out because he doesn't know what's going on with him. Fucking hey, come on, Jack. Then you got like this sexy dude who she can touch who is here who clearly is into her and like playing with her on the She-Hulk level while Jack of Hearts is engaging her on the Jen level in a certain sense, you know, intellectually versus physically, it's going to come to a head at some point. And that's like perfect romance setup. So I'm very excited for that. And then we get this great backup story that has Jen having a book club with a bunch of the female characters of the Marvel Universe. Nobody's read the book. So much fun. So much fun. What a great package from top to bottom.
2: We should do a book club. You know what I mean? Meet once a week and talk about comics? Mm -hmm. That would be so cool. That would be fun. We definitely find out who
0: read the books and who didn't. (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So first off, uh, it's uh, 175. So it's an anniversary issue, which is great. So You got a lot of extras in there. And I feel like they did a great job of giving us more. Uh, She-Hulk is such a great title and has been for years. And it is in great hands. The art style is fantastic. I love the writing. It really feels like She-Hulk talking. Uh, so I, I'm having a blast with this. the The ships are great. I'm, I'm, you know, the will they, won't they is driving me nuts. But I'm pulling for Jack of Hearts here. So this is a great time. And I also really love the kind of cast of characters uh, with the book club here. And uh, I just think uh, they're having a blast with this book, and
0: it really comes through. Deceased War of the Undead Gods, number eight from D.C. Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Trevor Hairsign and Lucas Meyer. Oh, this is the end. What? What? I was just reading over the notes, and I just want to give a shout-out to Awesome Andy, because he is awesome. Oh, yeah, Awesome Andy is awesome. This, mm-hmm. I, I mean, just to mention about that, this felt the closest to Dan Slot's run on She-Hulk yeah. that we've gotten so far, and I think that was purposeful. Also, having Reed Richards be a douchebag, classic, loved it. So this is the last issue of DC's. They have wrapped up the saga that they began a couple of titles back here as the assembled heroes have found out what is behind the anti-life plague and decided to take it straight to them. It ends in a surprisingly quiet and sad and poignant way here at the end. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into spoilers if you don't want to know, turn away, but Pete this had to hit you right in the feels, I imagine. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, very touching moment between
2: the uh, light costume Batman and Superman here. It's just such a uh, amazing last panel and very touching stuff that I really felt. Uh, but, yeah, this was such a huge uh, kind of arc and really fun, a lot of crazy stuff. But to see it kind of end this way uh, caught me off guard, and I was super moved and impressed. I I was clutching my pearls when I was reading it. So
0: There's also a very fan moment, which is kind of Tom Taylor showing off as a writer here, where he loops back to a thing that Green Arrow said, I don't even know how many issues earlier, like easily 12, 24 issues earlier, that he had a line of dialogue from Green Arrow that becomes immediately relevant to the final gambit here in this book, where I was like, smart, I see what you did there. Good job. Uh, but great series. I was really impressed by this. Yes. And it's a good mission statement for the DC universe, showing how they fight against the dark with their light. Loved it. Yeah. No one, number two, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Brian Buccioletto, art by Geraldo Borges. This is a murder mystery slash, po- mm-hmm. not political theory, but like journalism thriller running in the Massiverse universe. We really dug the first issue of this. What did you think about the second one, Pete?
2: Well, I love the action in this. This is very, like, interesting, kind of like uh, Batman tech character. Love the story around him. Uh, The kind of, like, older cop being forced out, trying to figure out who killed his son. Like, uh, the art super type bananas. I think this is just going great like i i the kind of cameo by no one here i i just think this is very kind of unique and cool and i'm uh, very much enjoying this
0: uh yeah this issue was a little denser Text-wise, I yeah, think, uh, in the first issue, which is necessary. There's a lot of information coming in there. But it didn't feel as propulsive to me as the first issue, though I totally agree with you on the action sequences. I thought they were great. I'm still really into this. I'm really into all the massive verse stuff. That was my one little, little quibble with this issue that kind of held me back a little bit. I think it's just because you're sick. Uh, Might be that too. The Vampire Slayer number 13 from Boob Studios, written by Sarah Galli, art by Kath Lobo. This is kicking off the final arc of this series, which really buzzed me out because this is the best that Buffy the Vampire Slayer has been maybe since the TV show, in my opinion. this Buffy finally has her Slayer powers back. She is getting back into shape thanks to working with Faith. Willow is no longer destroying the universe, and instead we're getting back to Baby Crab, or at least baby. Crab 2.0, who is growing to gigantic crab size and may or may not destroy the universe at the end of the day. There's a bunch of things for fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that are being worked in here in an interesting way. The cliffhanger at the end of the last issue is we finally met Tara, who uh, is helping Willow get control of her powers, her augmented powers. There's an interesting tease in here. I don't know if you picked this up as well, but that this version of Tara might be trans. They don't come out and say it, but there's a very strong implication there, which I thought was an interesting little detail to throw in. And we get a big reveal at the end here to a classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer location. We already kind of know if you've seen the show, the villain that we're going to meet in this final arc, who is tied very directly to Spike, starts with a D, R, U. You know where I'm going with this. Oh, anyway. Yeah. You you don't necessarily, but listeners probably. Talking about Drew, yeah, D R U Drew. Drusilla, Drusilla, who's Spike's girlfriend, is definitely going to show up here, Um, and that's very exciting. I am loving this, Pete. How are you feeling?
2: Well, for me, it was just like I was so stressed out about Buffy, you know. So seeing her finally get her powers and kind of like come back into like okay, now we're now this is the Buffy comic and uh, everything's kind of coming together and. And I was like, okay, great, here we go. Uh, Because it it was like this kind of slow kind of build towards what we know. And in the beginning, there were some really cool, interesting choices. But now we're kind of like really kind of rolling. And uh, so I felt like this is hitting its stride right at the key time. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm not as much of a huge Buffy head as you are, but I'm still having
0: a great time with this. Uh, Loving it. Red Goblin, number three from Marvel, written by Alex Pactidal, art by Jan, excuse me, Basil Dua, Jan Basil Dua. Um, I don't know why I said that twice just now. Anyway, Norman Osborn's grandson has a symbiote who has turned him into the Red Goblin. Norman is being attacked by one of the old hobgoblins in the sewer, as well as a whole goblin army. So lots of goblins, goblin, goblins. That's what we're doing here. And the Red Goblin fights back here. There's some twists and turns. Pete, what'd you think about this one?
2: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we get some cool, interesting flashbacks. Uh, Then the kid is just just chill with a nice old lady in the alley. He's got a uh, dog who is scary in the beginning, but then it isn't scary. You know what I mean? The classic kind of dog setup. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I don't know what we're doing with this book, but it's Hmm. here. And there's a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of cool action stuff and more interesting Osborne stuff. But, like... (laughs) I'm not, as a comic book fan, I'm not like, you know what
0: I can go for? More fucking goblins. Let's go! Well, that was one of the things I was trepidatious about with the first issue, and I think they really run me over. Here, this is a wash of a lot of goblins in this issue. I think I still like this, and the art is really solid superhero-wise. But, yeah, it's a lot of just goblin action. We get a tease that the next issue, we're going to have Norman in the gold goblin costume when we already have a gold goblin title. So I worry that this is not giving us something different with the red goblin character. That's what I want to focus on, and that's what I'm interested in. So maybe we'll get back to that the next issue. Maybe not. But I'm still on board. I'm still curious to check out at least one more. Wonder cool. Woman number 798 from DC Comics, yeah. written by Becky Cluden and Michael W. Conrad and Josie Campbell, art by Amake Nahulpen and Caitlin Yarski. This is tying into the Revenge of the Gods storyline, which has Shazam and Wonder Woman teaming up to fight back against Hera and the assembled knights of the gods. Here we get to see Wonder Woman Shazam in this issue, something everybody has always dreamed of. Pete...
2: Bless you, Alex. Yeah, so, all right, so here we go. Wonder Woman. Uh, first off, some cool-ass covers here. But, unfortunately, it's kind of like that classic scenario of the cover kind of spoiling what's going to happen a little bit where Wonder Woman gets to the Shazam powers and because you saw the cover, you were kind of like, okay, I know this is coming. But, you know, uh, I, I can understand, like, if you were going to put a cover, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to just do that? But it just kind of ruins a little bit of the buildup, um, But yeah, I think I love the, you know, Wonder Woman fighting Hera, um, and uh, yeah, I think this is just kind of great DC-style art and action, and I think it's a great package with the backup
0: story and everything, so having having a blast with it. I'm having a good time with this, too. In particular, I know it have been very complimentary of this team anyway, but Josie Campbell and Caitlin Yarsi's backup story, Mary Marvel is the one who gives up her powers to help save... More- Wonder Woman and turn Wonder Woman into Shazam Wonder Woman. So we get to see what that means for Mary Marvel next. And they put a great amount of heart and character into this, as well as the action scenes by Caitlin Yarsky are really fun and well-planned out. Really enjoyed reading that story in particular. I'm going to be bummed if Mary Marvel is no longer a Shazam at the end of this, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, that would, would be a bummer. The Forge, number two, from Image Comics, written by Greg Ruckeye and Eric Troutman, art by Mike Henderson. This is following a bunch of mech warriors who have been crash-landed on a harsh alien planet. They've been sent there for an unknown mission. We find out what that mission is this issue. Uh, this book is action-heavy, super gross, super nuts, very fun. Yeah, I
2: I uh I also really appreciate the kind of uh intro part that gets you everybody caught up in case you you know you're like what what is this comic again? So uh, awesome for that. Yeah, tons of action, interesting turns in the story, super tight banana's art. I'm really enjoying this comic. A uh, new character was a little bit over sexualized, but uh, it's early on, so uh, I'm excited to see what happens after
0: that. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I think the last time we talked about this book, we tried to describe it with a bunch of different movies, and it still feels feels a little bit like Predator, Alien, with mech suits kind of thing. Um, Great. I'm loving this book. Like you said, Mike Henderson's art is just next level here, particularly having a bunch of characters in mech suits, being able to tell which one is which. Partially, that's up to the coloring, but I think that's also up to the characterization that Mike Henderson puts in it, and that should not be underrated. Horror, yeah. Harrower I still can't say that word. Number three for Boop Studios, written by Justin Jordan, art by Bram Revel. This is a big place in a small town where all of the teenagers have been ritualistically slaughtered. The last issue, now the few remaining teenagers are trying to make it out alive. There's a big twist here at the end of the issue. But this is basically as brutal as you'd want with a slasher horror movie, I would say.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is just nonstop intense. I I love the art style. There's so many twists and turns, crazy last page. I mean, it's a hell of a ride. I can't wait till the next issue.
0: The excellent number two from Marvel, written by Peter Milligan, art by Mike Allred and Laura Allred. You know, my big complaint with the last issue of this was there wasn't enough focus on the social media parody. And I think we get back to that in a big way in this issue, as we have two teams who care less about saving people than gaining and losing followers on social media. I thought this was very fun and a back to form for this book.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's worth it for the All Reds are alone. Um, and uh, that Zeitgeist is a real douchebag. Yeah, he keeps vomiting on people and
0: burning them. If yeah, you can, and also if mistreating you, uh, people who are, you know, trying to do things for him, you know. Uh, which do you think is worth? Is the vomiting on them and melting them or mistreating people? Um, I'm going to say the murdering them. But
2: okay. yeah, also mistreating is pretty bad.
0: Yeah, it's a real murderer's row, right, Pete? I don't think we're using that right there. Superman, look it up, we'll check. Superman number three from DC Comics, (laughs) written by Joshua Williamson, art by Jamal Campbell. In this issue, there is a plague of parasites who have taken over Metropolis, including taking over Superman. And finally, after three issues, Superman has to come for Lex Luthor's help. I am loving this book. I can't believe how much I'm loving it, Uh, particularly how different it is from the other Superman book that Philip Kennedy Johnson is doing. But... The horror elements with the Parasite Superman, the way that Jamal Campbell draws him, are great and terrifying. The way that they work in Livewire here and Lex Luthor and Supercorp and all of these other things is very fun. It's just building out to a really different, really exciting Superman book. Uh, and I'm having a great time reading this.
2: Yeah, I, I thought there it was, it was just like a super adorable moment between Lois and Clark here. Just kind of a nice sweet moment. Um, and uh, yeah. And then, you know, I don't know about that given your arch nemesis a watch thing, but other than that, uh, I'm having a, a blast with this. Well, so what I think
0: there's gotta think, be a
2: tracker or some kind of what audio Joshua recording is working off
0: of here is I think he is doing the all-star Superman Lex and Superman dynamic where Superman really wants to find the good in Lex and push him to do better. He doesn't trust him. He doesn't think that he's going to do the right thing, but he wants to give him a chance to do the right thing. Oh yeah, but would you give your arch nemesis a
2: watch? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, what kind of watch? Like a Mickey Mouse watch, a Swatch. Dude, uh, you saw the watch he gave him. It was fucking really it was a nice, sweet watch. Yeah,
0: that's a fucking sweet. No, watch, I wouldn't man. do that. I'd give that to one of my friends probably. You're right. <laughs> Good point. Hitomi, number five, from Image Comics, written by H.S. Talk, art by Isabella Mazzanti. In this issue, I I think we're wrapping this up here, maybe? Is this the last issue of this book? Um, Where we've been following this young girl, and um, unbeknownst to her, the man who killed her family, traveling on a journey together. This issue, she's turned into a little assassin of her own. It all goes down as he runs to save her. Pete, I know you love this book so far. How do you feel about how it wrapped up?
2: Well, first off, uh, this is amazingly super type bananas art. Like, just unbelievable art. And, uh, you know, you get that little recap in the beginning, which I really appreciate about it. I was really worried about when she found out that the dude that she's been friends with and traveling with has been the guy who killed her family. So I thought they handled that in a very, very cool way. And I thought it really turned out great. I love this kind of run. I thought this was really an interesting story told very well and in kind of a mature way, even
0: though it's kind of old in time. So I very much appreciated it. House of Slaughter, number 14 for Boom Studios, written by Tate Bromble, art by Antonio Fuso. In this issue, we're continuing to follow the story of... Henry Boucher, I think, is the name of the character. Whatever it is, it is our main house of slaughter dude who we've been following. He's trying to save a bunch of kids. Things turned out really bad for him by the end of this issue. Uh, um, I got to say, I think this is maybe my favorite issue of this book so far. Wow. The way that the tension builds up oh, over the God, course dude. of this no. oh. is unbearable so stressful yeah so, so stressful, stressful to read oh my but God, it dude. builds so slowly and so carefully yes. i I was very impressed
2: yeah I mean I have my notes like oh shit it goes down to this issue I mean you know there, there's a saying a woman scorn but I feel like anybody's scorn you know it this is a this is uh really Uh, Intense issue uh, that is uh, really well done. Uh, But the art is unbelievable beyond super type bananas. This is just such a cool story. And what's really been impressive about this whole kind of house of slaughter kind of, you know, whole kind of all the different titles underneath it and stuff is. Really impressive, the storytelling that's happening here. You know what I mean? It's not just all monsters and action and like the, the the tales that they're weaving in between all of this madness is really impressive. Um, this is such a feat of writing uh, and the, the art is just unbelievable as well. But man, I've just been so impressed with all these books and all the different avenues we've been exploring through this. This has been such a cool ride. I'm really impressed with this.
0: The Amazing Spider-Man, number 24 from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by Here John Romita Jr. In this issue, Spider-Man is desperately trying to get back to Mary Jane to save her from this dude who's trying to kill her in another dimension. And uh, we find out some information at the end of this issue about why Mary Jane and Peter are no longer together. Pete, go on your rant. Go ahead. Okay, so this is what we're doing. This is it. The whole
2: reason we had to break up this relationship and, Mephiz- and doing, like, whisper deals with Mephisto is so Mary Jane could have a family with some other dude. Like, that's the big move we're doing, Marvel. Like, that's the whole, let's just ruin Spider-Man as a character and, like, throw this one of the greatest ships of all time into the winds. Like, it never fucking mattered. Just so... Mary Jane could have a, a family on the side or with somebody else, and I'm sure it's a lovely situation, but, like, what the fuck? So I, I hope everybody's happy. I
0: hope everybody's having a great time, because...
2: Uh,
0: uh, what? Yeah, I, I gotta say, I don't get this either. and the, the reason I don't get this, you know, I'm not necessarily as hardcore on certain aspects of what you just said, but... Uh, They've been building this up as, here it goes, this is one of the biggest storylines we've had since the death of Gwen Stacy. And this... I mean, we already spoiled it, so we can talk about spoilers here. But at the end of the issue, we find out that enough time has passed in the Southern Dimension that Mary Jane and this dude she was with are now together. He has two kids. Maybe they are their kids. We don't exactly know all of the details. But for Peter, it's been like two terrible days in the real world, and then he comes back. It's a castaway situation. You know, Tom Hanks is
2: stuck on an island. Meanwhile, you know... his wife has to live another life and they have to move on. And, you know, so much time has passed. Right. How long can but you wait for here, somebody? Here's my
0: problem with that. My problem is we already knew this. Like we knew this from yeah. the first issue that she already had a family. So the revelation that she has a family, oh. it's more, Oh, okay. That's an explanation but of how it happened. How is this? But, it, but it doesn't, it doesn't make as big of an impact because we already knew this. It's just kind of filling in the gaps at the current point. So Right,
2: but what's the reveal that's gonna make this feel better? You know what I mean? Is it the reveal that like MJ was just so sad and then finally well, I assume, I assume and, we're gonna find and,
0: out she was there for fifteen years or whatever, you know? Well like, that's the thing. Like if she's been there a week, I'm gonna be pissed. She, know, a week like, and what? she had two full grown babies. Yeah, no, I yeah, think exactly. I think it's pretty clear that like they already said the time flows differently in this dimension, so it's pretty right. clear. Given but the age of the kids, what's enough time to be okay to move on from Peter oh, Parker? You know what I mean, like, so well, let's game what, this out, right? Okay, you're yeah. with the person you love. Mm-hmm. That person leaves. You're yeah. with uh, another person of whatever uh, gender you're attracted to or type of person you're attracted to. How I long? Thank you for keeping it open. I really appreciate. Yeah, like this how long? How long do you wait? Because like how I would say. Five minutes seems fair oh, before you move on, right, dude? You're family. You are married with kids. You you want your wife to wait? My wife five is upstairs minutes? right now as we're taping this. I am effectively single.
2: <laughs> so I just want to get this straight. If you we're don't make together, it upstairs, right? upstairs. Mike, that was my
0: impression <laughs> nope, from this podcast. No, nope, nope. we've been uh, talking I'm a not lot. Raising your family. This is very <laughs> romantic, Pete. <laughs> I, we're having a very romantic. So time. if you don't make it back upstairs, your wife can just move on. Like you I mean? she like, might have, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the price that I'm willing to pay for doing this podcast. Wow, is, wow. maybe I Good. lose her in the process, you know? Wow, worth it. <laughs> worth uh, it. At <laughs> least I got this review of the amazing Spider Man twenty four on the internet. But that's the
2: thing. Like now, I have to read the next issue and wonder how much time is enough time where I'm okay with it. And then open oh, I, here's to the MJ thing. having just a whole, Just to answer this what you're is saying. insane. Like, why are we doing 100% this?
0: seriously, you're not supposed to be okay with it. We've been riding with Peter the entire time, not MJ. And I think we're going to get filling in MJ's the gaps from her perspective. Side, yeah. But Peter is devastated, and he has been devastated this entire time while we follow him. You're supposed to be feeling that as a reader. You're not Absolutely. supposed to be happy about this. You're not supposed to be like you know what? That was enough time for MJ. Sounds good for me. You're supposed to be like, oh my God. Can't wait to hear about her family. Well, you're supposed to feel exactly what you're feeling, which is that this is one of my favorite couples. I can't believe they're not together. Whatever the circumstances, this sucks. So It's going to continue to suck. My qualm about it is what else are we going to find out about the story? Because I, I'm i not into this beardy dude with the knife. I'm not necessarily into like this other beardy dude that MJ is with. I don't really know anything about these kids. I I need to get more emotionally invested in this whole I story. I thought you were going to say I, I hate these stuff. kids. No, I, I just don't know them. But <laughs> I, I, need, I need a little bit more on this. And presumably we've been told that's what we're getting over the next two issues is more of this. So – Maybe I will be more into it, but right now, my reaction to this after this was like, okay, All I right. just don't
2: know how what I'm supposed to feel. Am I supposed to be excited to get to know MJ? No, you're supposed new to feel family? bad, you're supposed it's to feel like, bad about the I'm whole thing. Be pulling for this other guy because he was just you know, happened to be in there. I mean, what kind of dimension was this? Were they fighting for their lives constantly and somehow they felt love and it got them through a horrible time? I think so. You,
0: Here's my guess, and I think this is probably a pretty fair guess. They were fighting for their lives, constantly running away from the beardy dude, trying to stay alive. At a certain point, they started to feel like, you know what? It's been too long. It's been years. Peter's not coming back. And they were there for each other, and something that they had— That was this bond eventually grew into something more. It grew into love. They effectively got married together. They had children together. And then all this time later, 15 years or whatever it is, Peter came back. So you're supposed to feel bad about it. And it's going to feel bad for MJ as well because she's like, oh, my God, I loved you and I thought I lost you. Yeah. So it's going to hurt. Yeah, and then what does MJ do? Does she ditch her uh, new family? Clearly for... not because we've already seen she's with them. So
2: Oh my god. This is this is not fun. This is not like a fun arc that is getting me excited to read more comics.
0: Best case scenario, the beardy dude kills her husband, who she loves, and her children, who she also loves. And she then they take care of the beardy dude. And she's like, now I'm back together with Peter Parker, this <laughs> dude who sucks. This feels awful. <laughs> this feels like we can't win. Nope. We really can't. It's a no-win scenario. Let's thanks. talk about... Thank you, Marvel.
2: Thank yeah, you, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Thank you. Thank cool. you, Spider-Man.
0: Nightwing, number 103 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, C.S. Picot, art by Travis Moore, Vasco Georgiev, and Eduardo Pancica. In our front story, we are following the Titans trying to keep a young girl safe by making deals or not with Neron of the Underworld. And in the backstory, we're getting Superman and Nightwing investigating a mystery at a circus. What would you feel about this?
2: Uh, Awesome covers. Love the spinner rack cover one. Uh, Another great ish. I love the cyborg line of like, this is really uh, this really is hell where there's so many icons open on this desktop. That was just hilarious. Loved all the actions, fun twists and turns. This is just Nightwing continues to be a
0: fucking blast. Yeah, Uh, I agree. But without the profanity, Rogue Son, number 12 from Image Comics, written by Ryan Parent, art by Abel. In this issue, big, big things go down for Rogue Son as he fights for his life against some enemies that are like... Finally, at his level, horrible things happen at the school in the process, also terrible things happen to the status quo of Rogue Son, which leads us directly into the super massive crossover that is coming and it is wild where they leave him going into this. I continue to love this book,
2: yeah, this is really fantastic, and uh, so much goes down, and then you know uh, spoilers, but his dad's like yeah, I'm going to take these powers back. And it's like, yeah, what?
0: Like, well, so sorry. It isn't his dad. It's a one of the first, the medieval holder of the rogue son has been giving him advice as a ghost in the middle of this fight. Our rogue son can't handle it. And so the medieval guy is like, let me take control of the body. I can do this for you. And immediately when that happened, I was like, oh, oh no. He talks to him. It's like, oh, you'll let, me, let me just take your yeah, body. Let me, look, let me like, just like, take oh, your body. Like, yeah. And by the end of the book, of course, the medieval dude is like, no, I, I think I could be a better rogue son. Sorry. Yeah. And Sorry, bro. It's pretty messed up, but exactly what we've been getting out of this book, these sort of big moves with the story that I've really been enjoying. Hellcat, number two from Marvel, written by Christopher Catwell, art by Alex Lins. This is a much more supernatural, inflected take on Hellcat, involving ghosts and demons and sleepwalkers and other things. What would you feel about this issue, Pete?
2: Yeah, I I really love the art style. It really, uh, you know, pulls you into this comic uh, which is great uh I weirded out by all the uh you know her talking to ghosts and shit and then uh her talking to that stuffed bunny with the bow tie never trust anybody with the bow tie and then uh love the uh the kind of the the, the heart of it though it's this is a really cool
0: ish um i'm looking forward to reading the next one I really like the art on this in particular. There's some very creepy character designs and horror-inflected looks throughout. In terms of the plot, I'm having a hard time holding on to it. There's entirely too many things going on at the same time. They're all interesting individually, but there are so many of them, it ends up being a little bit of a wash to me. But. I don't know. Your mileage may vary, I guess. Let's move to another horror book. Dead Seas, number five from IDW, written by Kevin Scott, Uh, art uh, by uh, Nick uh, Brokenshire. uh, In this book, we are following a ship that is full of ghosts. All the ghosts are free. There's also a bunch of prisoners there. All the prisoners are free. There's a bunch of pirates that are attacking it. It's it's all going down. It's absolute anarchy in this issue. Um, Cats and and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. It really is, though. And in yeah. particular, this pays off on a lot of the promise of like, ooh, what if there was a ship full of ghosts and criminals? What would happen? Well, this yeah. is what would happen?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's creepy as shit. Also, those creepy baby ghosts, just so freaky, so freaky. But this, like. Continues to be in scary, intense package of a great comic where the art's so intense, everything that's happening is so intense, and it meets in this Dead Seas book, and it continues to really deliver on a hell of a ride. To that, every issue is kind of getting more and more insane, but enjoyable.
0: In the absolute best way, this comic book feels like something that you would have seen on the bottom shelf in Blockbuster back in the day. and Be like, Dead yeah, Seas, yeah. what's that? Yeah, what's going on? They'd take yeah. it out and be like, oh, this is stupid and also awesome. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> tower number three from A Wave Blue World, written by Cameras Johnson and Kelsey Barnard. Art by Chris Cross is continuing to follow a bunch of folks that are trapped in a very advanced VR game where the If you die in the game, you die in real life, I guess. We haven't specifically gotten an explanation of that, but I assume that's what's going on here. But what I liked about this issue, the second issue was a lot more confusing. There was a lot of stuff going on, but we're starting to eliminate characters at a pretty quick rate here and starting to figure out who we're focusing on. So I like that quite a bit. And as we get a revelation about the real story that's happening in this book, it really focuses it up quite a bit.
2: Plus, we got, got, got a little bit of insight of how it got started with the kind of creepy dice showing up at the door. Like, hey, you a gamer? You just got to answer three questions. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think that they there's a ton of action in this when they get into the actual tower kind of game of it. Uh, and then the Kane
0: reveal is very cool. Uh, I love the pace and action of this comic. Last but not least, Hollow's Eve, number two from Marvel, written by Erica Schultz, art by Brian Reber. In this book, we are following a character who has Halloween masks that give her different powers. She accidentally turned somebody into a werewolf last issue and is trying to track him down to hopefully get him better. Meanwhile, the Beyond Corporation, who she used to be, I'd say work for, but actually was trapped by, is also trying to track this guy down because they really want to make some more werewolves. So lots of stuff going on here, but I... Uh, for a concept that I was not into at all when they first introduced it, I am very into this book, two issues in. Yeah, I agree.
2: It's a little weird that it's, you know, coming out now and not near Halloween. <laughs> but yes. uh, I do think that this is a ton of fun. I really love the, the art style of this Um And it's cool the way she uses her masks that give her different powers. Uh, It's cool because it also taps into this feeling when you're a kid and you put on the mask of the thing and you're no longer you. You're this kind of new entity. So, like, I really kind of love the idea behind it. And I feel like it does a great job of exploring that and heightening it.
0: I do want some clarification in terms of how many masks she has at a certain point, though, because we definitely know she has these monster masks, right? Like she has a vampire mask. She has a werewolf, a Frankenstein. I think there was a witch at one point as well. In this issue, she's like, and now I'm going to be a cop and put on my cop mask. And I was like, well, that's not a monster. I mean, arguably, I guess. But my point on. being, I guess my question is like, how many masks do you have in there? Are we going to get to a point where she's like, I'm going to put on my chef masks so I can cook a big dinner for somebody or what? There just needs to be some
2: limitations there although in terms it would of what be amazing do. if she was like I'll put it on my chef's mask and then she's like
0: orky pork pork that would <laughs> be pretty awesome <laughs> oh it's her Swedish chef's mask specifically yeah <laughs> alright that's fine if they do that they don't yeah! have some of the alright if you'd like to support our podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club, live on Instagram and TikTok, tock, comic book club, live.com for this podcast and many more until next time. We'll see you at the comic book shop. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Wow, this is a really murderer's row of titles, Pete. Oh, come on, man. I meant the Yankees. It was the Yankees. Oh,
1: (laughs) boy.